Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. This before, and I'm going to get in trouble. But I have said this before, and it's been in print. I don't know what the difference between our Christian right and the Taliban is. I have no idea what the difference is. You're not the only person who's said that. I don't. I, I, I just don't know what the difference is. Yeah. What's happening in this country right now in the name of religion is so dangerous. Yeah. They know that they were lying. They, the lawsuit was pending. And Tucker Carlson continued to lie about January 6th. Yes. Throughout this entire time. He's still on the air lying that it was just some tourist event that went on that yeah. day. Mm-hmm. So he, he he's like a sick a sick pathological liar that cannot be controlled. The audience likes to be, his audience likes to be lied to. Yeah. You know that song, Tell Me Lies, Tell Me Sweet Lies. <laughs> well, and the other thing, one more point. You know that Fox is broadcast on military bases? Yes. Now, that is a tax-funded facility. Those are tax-funded facilities. They should not be broadcasting lies to our military. We are paying for that. Those boys and girls are going out there defending this country, Mm -hmm. risking their lives, and they're being fed lies on a regular basis. That needs to be changed immediately. And by the way, being radicalized. Being radicalized by what they're hearing and what they're listening. I mean, I have family members that watch Fox News exclusively, and I've I've admitted this before. I hate to admit it, but I admit it. And the, the facts that they try to tell me uh, it's just, it's just lies, it's just unbelievable. But they believe it. I mean, I have family members that have moved out of the out of the uh, out of New York. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the twenty third of April, year of our Lord, twenty twenty three. Had to play that bashing there because it's the worst soundbite from the previous show and the view. Because we're gonna go six to nine round bursts right up front. Had an interesting beginning. I turned on my computer and the HDMI on this TV stopped working. So I had to swap cables to get it to work and now we're functional. But going to try something different today. I, I was watching some tutorials and we're going to watch some videos together. I figured out how to do it so I can initiate beginning of it while I'm recording. And we will listen together to certain sound bites just to get ourselves fired up today. Um, but I, I want to start with military right up front because this, this is, once again, I, I showed this before. It's false. It's a hundred percent false. They're lying. They know they're lying and they keep coming back to the well of Fox news on basis. It's not played on faces. They took it away. So that's disinformation. But 
seems like that's all we get is disinformation. Um, I would, I didn't get this article in, but I wanted to start it before I go to our main subject, and I'll set it up in a second. Discord leak shows the peril of overclassification. I have like 5,000 articles for military sites that are constantly saying disinformation or like that, that we need to unclassify because leaks are horrible now. They were good under the right. So I was in a huge argument with people about trans again, got blocked by a million people, but the trans genocide crap surfaced this week. And I went and I researched suicides in the military. The last time I looked, it was 30,000. 114,000 suicides since the beginning of the war on terror. I went to multiple, multiple sites. Uh, USO was doing 31,000 and hadn't updated it. This is from a different site, a military site from the U.S. Army. 114,000. This is the total loss on the war on terror. And I know I'm biased because I'm a vet. But why is that not an issue for any politician, for any media? That's a genocide. That's 15, That's over 5,000 people committing suicide a year. And this is the only thing I could find. You don't see lefties getting up talking about it. There's no plan to fix it. So for our soundbite on the military, here's one on veteran suicides. now talk about an issue that's plaguing the United States. I'm not talking about the Wuhan virus infection spike, not even inflation. I am talking about the U.S. veterans' suicides. I want you to look at these numbers. These are the numbers for war veterans in the U.S. 6,146 suicides in 2020. 125,000 deaths by suicide since 2001. 20 consecutive years with 6,000 plus veteran suicides. Suicide is the second leading cause of deaths in veterans under the age of 45 in America. And let me say this again. I'm talking about war veterans in the United States. The ones who protected their land of the free and the home of the brave. Our next report, taking a closer look at their plight. Precious lives are being lost due to the lack of mental health care for the heroes of the country. 
Those who once protected their homeland, the United States, with utmost selflessness and went through the traumas of war. According to studies, up to 31% of service members develop post-traumatic stress disorder after returning from combat. The US Department of Veteran Affairs has now taken a major step to help prevent suicide and to help veterans going through a mental health crisis. From the coming week, any military veteran who's dealing with a suicidal crisis will be able to receive the immediate care free of cost. Moreover, they can go to any healthcare facility for emergency healthcare to seek the required treatment. The plan offers inpatient care for up to 30 days and outpatient care for up to 90 days. The facility is available to both enrolled and not enrolled veterans. But the question is what is driving these battle-hardened individuals to the extent that they decide to take their own life? While there is not one definitive answer, there are many things which has made the lives of the protectors of the nation hard. On top of that list is transitioning back to civilian life after leaving the armed forces. Around 40% of veterans face high levels of difficulty when transitioning and these individuals show five times more suicidal tendency as compared to others. Almost 80% of post 9-11 veterans say that the public too does not understand the problems veterans face in transitioning. The second reason is money. Around 35% of veterans say that they have trouble paying their bills in the first few years after leaving the military, which takes a toll on their mental health. Not only this, more than 80% of civilian organizations have no veteran-specific recruitment programs and more than 50% offer no onboarding or transition support to veteran recruits. By offering the help to all the veterans with or without the enrollment at no cost, the US Veteran Affairs Department is showing intent of saving the lives of its heroes. Among veterans who served during the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, the suicide rate for those who were not deployed is 48%, higher than that for veterans who experienced deployment. It's the nation's duty of administrators as well as the public to make these heroes of their country feel welcomed, nurtured and comfortable once they decide to come back to civilian life. Because the mark of a great nation is not only its... We sent people to war to fight, and, and you can't say it's the lefts or the rights. They both fought this war. Something is wrong, and we're not fixing it. And shame on both political parties that this is not anybody's platform. Vote vets who continually is cranking out how we need to have abortions and it's imperative to do trans surgeries. And in the cost cutting, they're going to scale back some of VA's money, like $20 million or something. <laughs> VA isn't handling any of this. They're not fixing shit. We still have people committing suicide in their parking lot. And we should be doing something about it. But it goes in line with the soundbite I heard. And it's Tucker Carlson, but this is the first thing I listened to today. And he's right. It might be time to start to reassess the terms we use to, to describe what we're watching. So when I started at Heritage, the presumption was, and this is 
a very Anglo-American assumption that the debates we're having are kind of rational debates about the way to get to mutually agreed upon outcomes. Right, so like we all want the country to be more prosperous and free and people to be less oppressed or whatever. And so we're gonna argue about tax rates and I think higher tax gets, gets us there. I'm a Keynesian and you disagree, you're an Austrian or whatever. But the objective is the same. And so we write our papers and they write their papers and may the best papers win. I, I don't think that's what we're watching now at all. I don't think we're watching a debate over how to get to the best outcome. I think that's completely wrong. And I've come to this conclusion, not, and I should say at the outset I'm an Episcopalian, so don't take any theological advice from me, because I don't have any. I grew up in the shallowest faith tradition that's ever been invented. It's not even a Christian religion at this point. Um, I say with shame. But I'm just saying this as an observer of what's going on. There is no way to assess, say, the transgenderist movement with that mindset. Policy papers don't account for it at all. If you have people who are saying, I have an idea, let's castrate the next generation. Let's sexually mutilate children. I'm sorry, that's not a political debate. What? There's nothing to do with politics. What's the outcome we're desiring here? An androgynous population? Is that really what we are? We arguing for that? I don't, I don't think anyone could like, defend that as a positive outcome. But the weight of the government and uh, you know, a lot of corporate interests are behind that. Well, what is that? Well, it's irrational. If you say, well, you know, I think abortion is always bad. Well, I think sometimes it's necessary. That's a debate I'm familiar with. But if you're telling me that abortion is a positive good, what are you saying? Well, you're arguing for child sacrifice, obviously. It's not about like, oh, a teen, you know, a teen girl gets pregnant and what do we do about that and victims of rape. I, you know, I get it. I, of course I understand that and I have compassion for everyone involved. But when the Treasury Secretary stands up and says, you know what you can do to help the economy get an abortion? Well, that's like an Aztec principle, actually. There's not a society in history that didn't practice human sacrifice. Not one. I checked. Even the Scandinavians, I'm ashamed to say. It wasn't just the Mesoamericans. It was everybody. So like, that's what that is. Well, what's the point of child sacrifice? Well, there's no policy goal entwined with that. No, that's a theological phenomenon. And that's kind of the point I'm making. None of this makes sense in conventional political terms. When people or crowds of people, or the largest crowd of people at all, which is the federal government, the largest human organization in human history, decide that the goal is to destroy things, destruction for its own sake, hey, let's tear it down. What you're watching is not a political movement, it's evil. So if you want to assess, and I'll put it in non, and I'll stop with this, I'll put it in non, I'll put it in non-political, uh, or non, rather non-specific theological terms, and just say, if you want to know what's evil and what's good, what are the characteristics of those? And by the way, you know, I, I think the Athenians would have agreed with this. This is not necessarily just a Christian notion. This is kind of a, I would say, widely agreed upon understanding of good and evil. What are its products? What do these two conditions produce? Well, I mean, good is characterized by order, calmness, tranquility, peace, whatever you want to call it, lack of conflict, cleanliness. Cleanliness is next to godliness. It's true. It is. 
And evil is characterized by their opposites. Violence, hate, disorder, division, disorganization, and filth. So if you are all in on the things that produce the latter basket of outcomes, what you're really advocating for is evil. That's just true. I'm not calling for religious war, far from it. I'm merely calling for an acknowledgement of what we're watching, which is not one, and I'm not, certainly not backing the Republican Party. I mean, ugh. I'm not making a partisan point at all. I'm, I'm just noting what's super obvious. Like those of us who are in our mid-50s are caught in the past in the way that we think about this. One side's like, no, no, you know, I've got this idea and we've got this idea and let's have a debate about our ideas. They don't want a debate. Those ideas won't produce outcomes that any rational person would want under any circumstances. Those are manifestations of some larger force acting upon us. It's just so obvious. It's completely obvious. And I think two things. One, we should say that and stop engaging in these totally fraudulent debates where we are using the terms that we used in 1991 when I started at Heritage as if maybe, you know, I could just win the debate if I marshaled more facts. I've tried that, doesn't work. And two, maybe we should all take just like 10 minutes a day to say a prayer about it. I'm serious, like why not? And I'm saying that to you, not as some kind of evangelist, I'm literally saying that to you as an Episcopalian. The Samaritans of our time. I'm coming to you from the most humble and lowly theological position you can. I'm literally an Episcopalian, okay? And even I have concluded it might be worth taking just 10 minutes out of your busy schedule to say a prayer for the future. And I hope you will. He's 100% right. We're living in an age of evil. That's the only way you can actually define it. I mean, if you really think about it, I talk about it a lot, and I know they're not interconnected to suicide, but... When did we get to the point that the most important thing for our economy is to kill babies? When in your lifetime has the federal government been so invested in killing babies and turning kids into opposite sex? When did this become a thing? But that's the priority of our media and almost every institution. It's no longer about taking care of people. It's no longer about bettering your life or making you have uh, a better retirement or anything that used to be the discussions we had. It is about killing babies, transgender rights, and why it's okay for people to rape, pillage, and burn like a bunch of fucking Vikings and not suffer consequences because they're in the right demographic. That's where we're at. So it's depressing for most people. How do you have a positive outlook in life when you went to war for a country that gave that country back to the very same people and in the process of doing it made a foreign leader lie about the progress of the Taliban? Let 13 soldiers get killed because they didn't want to insult the Taliban? 
and we outsourced our security to the Taliban. And we have other embassies now having to evacuate. A foreign policy that is based on pushing LGBTQ more than American exceptionalism. So yeah, it's a little depressing out there. If you're a vet, you're not even appreciated for what you sacrificed, what your family sacrificed because the Reese's administration only cares about military abortions and transing. All right, to lighter news. Ranger Regiment won again. Oh, surprise. And surprisingly, this is not... Oh, I joke. Of course it's not. More TBI. More TBI. It's not even in the media. We don't even fucking talk about it. This accident is all over military thing. I don't know how many people got injured, but it's pretty fucking bad. Those are two large vehicles hitting each other. And then a lot of this. Toxic brigade commander. Another toxic brigade commander. Surprise with the review boards now that are based on race more than everything else. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Then we got this article, which I, I once again, oh no, I didn't get this one. Um, let's let's add it in because it's it's too good not to be added in. Th- this is everywhere. I've seen it. This is task and purpose, which once again um, isn't actual media, um, military media. It's a bunch of people that couldn't hack it um, in other places, so they came here. Sorry, I'm making a video simultaneously for our new concept. Uh, Boom, boom, boom. So, does anybody believe that? We're monetarily invested to like the billion, over $100 billion. And if the leaks are correct, which they seem to be because the media is not covering it, which usually is a tell, Ukraine's getting their ass kicked. They're not winning. You goddamn guarantee we're fucking lobbing something. Environmental justice. We're going to spend some time on this in a second with environmental justice because it's just everywhere. But he's going to grade the military. This is the priority. Simultaneously, Army, Navy, and Air Force predict recruiting shortfall. U.S. Army vouches for Abram tanks in Ukraine, but they won't be there forever. So, there's our six to nine round burst. We're going to try this. We're going to try it live, and hopefully it works. Uh, I found the control arms to be able to make it work. Before we go into me uh, with the commander-in-chief, now we'll do me first, and then we'll do a, a short tutorial on whatever the fuck 
environmental justice is, because now that's a priority of our government. As I've told my distinguished friend from Massachusetts and good friend, Senator Markey, that uh, it's really very, very dull when after all these years in public life, you're known for two things, Ray-Ban sunglasses and chocolate chip ice cream. <laughs> very dull president, but... Uh, I do want to say that uh, uh, the president looks very much looks forward to meeting with the three legislators who, as you know, he spoke with, uh, had a very uh, uh, important, critical, we thought, uh, conversation with them about how to move forward with gun reform, about uh, them uh, doing their democratic duty and, and uh, pe uh, peacefully protesting for uh, assault weapons ban. And what we saw, and what we saw happen to the three of them, as you heard the president say, as you have heard me say, it was undemocratic when they were uh, expelled uh, and uh, uh, essentially ousted out of, their, uh, out of their seats. And it was also an attack on, on our democracy. And okay, uh, is the future of democracy truly at stake in the U.S., as some contend? Is there really an emerging fascist movement? Well, yeah. Don't you watch the news? Come on, you're watching CNN. Yes, there is. No? All right, next question. I, 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 I would disagree about identifying it specifically as fascist, even though there is a far-right authoritarian movement. I don't think it meaningfully mirrors the fascist movements of Italy or Germany in the 20s and the 30s, and I don't no. think it's a particularly mobilizing thing to do, but I, I appreciate the tenor of the question, and I agree with it. I mean, fascism was fascism. Yes. I mean, we shouldn't throw words around casually. Exactly. That there is a word to that people, democracy. people do throw that word around very casually. But and, there's ne and there's never any, like, specific definition of it that I know of. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I think that... Um, if you're going to go back to compare Italy-Germany, it took one year for it to go from an authoritarian situation to a more fascistic situation. And you know it when you start to experience a society in which there is a constant polarization, no complex issues can actually hold their, their polarities, and it becomes an either-or, you or me, right or wrong, black and white. That system of culture breeds this. Preach, sister. Okay. We are constantly reminded by former President Trump himself uh, that he is the Republican frontrunner, and he leads the Republican field, primary field, by, by double digits. So how, how do you think President Trump is going to react to this news that President Biden is, is planning on launching uh, his reelection campaign? I think he's going to paint himself as the only person who can beat Biden, which I think a, a lot of uh, Republicans uh, do not agree with. But I think you're going to hear that over and over. I think that Donald Trump's uh, main focus is going to be, you know, Ron DeSantis and the people who are coming at him in the Republican primary. But it'll be interesting to see how much President Biden's announcement breaks through. There has been, on the one hand, I think, content from a lot of Democrats to watch Donald Trump's problems, particularly legally, play out because those are just not general election winners uh, in their minds. And yet, I think there's been a lot of frustration by the White House that what Biden has been doing as president is not necessarily breaking through in the press and to the public. So I, I think that you are... Okay, I don't know what happened, but it, it totally shit the bed and dumped everything. So uh, I played the video. Let's go through our slides really quick, and I'm going to bring this up. So this is their environmental justice stuff, because I've already deleted all the fucking websites that I was on. I talked for like 20 minutes and somehow it, 
I either didn't push start or it kicked it off. The executive order directs agencies to identify and address gaps in science, data, and research related in environmental justice to advance the analysis of cumulative impacts and to make information on environmental health concerns more publicly accessible. What does that mean? Who the fuck knows? But like this, since we know that Blinken started this whole thing, most of what we're about to see is just fascist overreach. He is going to do this. You don't get money unless you have Section 8 housing, which Obama started. Social engineering the suburbs. Wall Street Journal did it. HUD will only give money to you if you give stuff to low-income African-Americans only. HUD to make state cities submit equity plans where you can even get fucking money. Then they're going to go out to the IRS because, you know, once again, they're not the fascists. They're not the fascists. The right's the fascist. His environmental justice thing, when you get into this, 40% of everything has to go to African Americans. That's that's the cliff note. It's completely the cliff note. I, I, I'm just in shock. Then he's going to do this. Credit scores. You have a 720, you pay more interest than the person with 680. I shit you fucking not. That's what they're doing. of color, low-income communities, indigenous communities. It's all intersectionality overlaced into retardation on a level. These scorecards aren't even made, but they've been around because we have all this shit. And then he said this during his executive order. So let me see if I can get this to work now because it dumped me. It's recording. I'm going to start at three minutes about where we were when I realized I wasn't recording and I'm going to pull up this it's it's still recording let's try I, I this is supposed to work and I don't know what happened mommy I don't know what happened mommy it just didn't work here we go so we're at three minutes okay we should be a second off Okay, so let's try this, and it's recording. Okay, here he's talking. Where are we at? History is going to judge us by how we answer these questions. That's not hyperbole. That's a fact. And today, I hope the answer is going to be a lot clearer. We should be close. Yes. So let's listen together. Yes, we're committed to following the science. Yes, we're determined to strengthen the ambitions and our ambitions and actions. And yes. We will include communities that have been denied basic security, basic and environmental that justice, from clean air, having clean air, clean water, and clean energy Here jobs comes and environmental the oil. justice. And folks, like the you, oil's coming. environmental issues have been close to my heart for a long time. You know, it, it was uh, one of the first people to introduce a climate bill I did back in 1986. Pennsylvania line. At the time I was growing there up is. there in a precarious area called Brookview Apartments, there were more oil refineries uh, 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 in that neck of the woods, in that southeast corner of Pennsylvania. It's coming at 410. Here it comes. Texas. And I went to school about a half quarter mi- a mile up the road on this thing called the Philadelphia Pike. And Mom used to drive us up because it was a very busy there highway. There he goes again. The oil slip. On the window. And, 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 no on job. those days... 
early on. I've never when, had an oil uh, slick on my window. Frost. Have you? You turn on the windshield wipers, not a joke, and there'd be an oil slick on the window. Literally an oil slick on the front windshield. Yeah, and childhood how many asthma. folks across the country have had similar experiences? Hi, it's you cancer know, nation, national. Nobody knows. This is all live. Real, real effects. So I think it's one of the reasons I had childhood asthma. Environmental so justice area, leader, a.k.a. motherfuckers. In, in that part of Delaware for the longest time. That's why when I was running for president, I made it a priority to meet with, the environmental, with environmental justice leaders. All right, it's enough of this shit. I remember shit. one he- Run That's what I was doing. I was pushing stop over the on the right, and not the left. What a dumbass. There we go. All right, so we're not going to... He goes in to say that GOP are garbage humans. Um, everybody's a douche nozzle. And I went in and researched this climate justice craziness. And this is what I found. Nationally, the facilities where we dump our garbage and process dangerous chemicals tend to be located in poor and minority communities. The people who live there have little or no protection from the industries around them, and things could get worse. So there's this idea of environmental justice. It's pretty simple. Communities shouldn't be forced to deal with more pollution because they belong to a certain race, national origin, or income bracket. Yet America has struggled over the years to implement any serious policy that actually protects these communities. So let's lay out the ways the government has failed them. We will not allow one county to become a dump site. The fight for environmental justice took off in 1982, when residents of Warren County, North Carolina, mounted mass demonstrations against a plan to dump contaminated soil in a landfill in their community. The EPA investigated four similar landfills in southern states and found that they were all located in black or low-income neighborhoods. In 1987, the United Church of Christ Racial Justice Commission found that around the country, hazardous waste facilities were more likely to be located in mostly minority communities. Amid mounting proof, the federal government was forced to act. So in 1992, President George H.W. Bush founded the Office of Environmental Justice inside the EPA. Two years later, President Bill Clinton signed an executive order requiring federal agencies to consider environmental justice in all of their policies, as well as extending civil rights protection to environmental discrimination. But Congress never passed a bill to make Clinton's executive order law. Then came George W. Bush. His administration shifted the focus of the Office of Environmental Justice from protecting low-income and minority communities to all people, leaving vulnerable populations without a federal environmental advocate. Eighty percent of New Orleans, including much of downtown, is underwater. Under Bush, many environmental civil rights claims were rejected or delayed for years. In 2009, after President Barack Obama's election, his administration recommitted to environmental justice. Generally speaking, Uh, in this country, a lot of uh, environmentally problematic facilities tend to be located in places where poor folks live. Yet, during the two years Democrats controlled the House, the Senate, and the White House, they didn't file a single bill focused on strengthening environmental justice protections. Passing major environmental legislation faded further when Republicans took control of Congress in the 2010 midterm elections. Now, President Donald J. Trump is making good on his vow to weaken the EPA. Environmental protection, 
What they do is a disgrace. Every week they come out with new regulations. They make it Who's impossible. Who's going to protect the environment? They will be fine with the environment. We can leave a little bit. This budget, a 31% cut to the EPA, $2.6 billion cut. Okay, so this is a city. Here are all the people living in it. People of all different colors, ages, wealths, and incomes. Except they don't all live together in the same place. They're separated into different parts of the city by what color they are, what language they speak, and how much money they have. And those different parts of the city look quite different. The parts that are whiter and wealthier tend to have green spaces, grocery stores with nutritious organic food, and of course so many to buy it, and are often far away from pollution emitting freeways. The parts that are poorer and more diverse tend to have industrial sites, heavy-duty diesel-polluted ports and highways, and hazardous waste, all things that the city relies on to run properly, but that heavily pollute the air and water. And even if they had those grocery stores with nutritious organic food, most residents there couldn't afford it anyway. How did this happen? Well, this segregation can be traced back to race-based zoning and housing policies, but it wasn't always as deliberate as plain old racism. Some separations can simply be traced to poor land use planning. And as a result, these residents of the same city live very different lives. Say the city realizes it has an emissions problem. It comes up with a plan to reduce air pollution, plant more trees to suck up the carbon, or start a cap-and-trade program. But those trees get planted in the neighborhoods that are already green, and the factories that are spewing toxins into the air just buy more carbon offsets and keep spewing their toxins. The benefits of these programs are enjoyed by the communities that are already doing just fine, and the communities that were hurting most from all that air pollution, well, they're still hurting. This isn't just an imaginary city, this is the story of real cities all across the U.S. where people might live in the very same area code, but their race, ethnicity, or wealth and income bracket causes them to experience wildly different quality of air, water, and life. In fact, it can even mean that they also experience different deaths. That's how serious this stuff is. This kind of inequity expands far beyond cities, too. Rural areas are full of commercially valuable resources like oil and coal, and they're also home to indigenous and low-income communities. But when those resources are extracted, those communities don't see any of the money, and they end up with all the air and water contamination that's left over from the extraction. And we even see this injustice on a global level, like in small island nations that are forced to directly confront the consequences of rising sea levels, but haven't played any significant role in the industries that are causing climate change. These peoples are sometimes forced to flee their homes because their land is literally going underwater. But the very states that did play a hand in creating climate change don't have migration policies to accommodate them. So when we talk about environmental justice, we're talking about how we can try to break down and reimagine a system that's built up on these inequities. A system where those who are already disadvantaged because of their race and economic status are made poorer because they're unable to profit from the resources that the world depends on and are made sick or worse by the environmental contamination that comes with extracting those resources. Social inequities. Yeah, well, it works. I just got to figure out how to get it to. The problem is you can't hear it. Like when the media source is playing, it's not playing in my ear. So it's really hard to figure it out. So I'll work on it. Um, yeah, it's a lot of bullshit. This whole thing is just fucking bullshit. It's all made up. Um, 
Blinken is now everywhere, so now we know about it. White House wouldn't talk about Talibi. We talked about it briefly, but the day he went to testify, they sicked the IRS on it. Which, you know, it seems to be what they do. This is 100% what they do. They're going to bully, bully people to do whatever the fuck they want. Which doesn't surprise me. Uh, let's see. The fact sheet. I think I already covered it. It was a lot. I'm going to save this for next show. This is actually DEI in a city and what went wrong. And it's fucking horrible. Things that have come out in the last couple of day. Um, this one, my God in heaven, you know, you know they're psychos, all right? You know that these people are the fascists. They want to tell you how to take a dump. If I can get it to pop up, I'm going to grab this. Uh, yeah, th- this is uh, this is real. I'm I'm not making this up. Not making it up. This is now. This will be the next. The next thing we got AC. That's huge. You know, you, you you don't need to do your AC. AC is bad. No mow. Watch. You'll get in trouble if you mow your lawn. Um. save this for next time because it's huge WAPO their analysis Jim Jordan and company alleged that Biden campaign got former intelligence officials to help suppress the story the connection isn't so direct though yeah it is there's actually a letter from Blinken saying write this letter and then they wrote it and right now Breaking, a heavy U.S. military presence, including military helicopters, combat aircraft, have been spotted in the skies above the U.S. Embassy compound in Sudan. They are evacuating the embassy in Sudan, and we will cover it in depth next show. But are you surprised? I'm not surprised. I mean, sadly, our whole thing is about fucking woke. We we don't really think about anything else. I mean, his whole his whole platform is hey, it's really it's really important to do climate justice. So, we're going to go into quick media. The first one is going to be um CBS promotes bipartisan mom against guns. And then MSNBC feel, wants Fox to feel financial pain because they're still not over the fact that they didn't get crushed. It may not be our kids, but it's going to be someone's kids, mm-hmm. and that hurts just as much. Sarah Ennis, Anna Simpson, Annie Knoll, and Eileen Knobloch are suburban Kansas City moms who say if they don't speak up, they're part of the problem. So many women out here today, this was their first protest, this was my first protest. They've never done anything like this, and it felt scary and uncomfortable, and 
We want other moms like us to get uncomfortable a little bit. That's why just three weeks ago, after the Nashville school shooting, they created Lives on the Line, a group stretching across district, state and party lines, demanding an end to gun violence. We don't have enough white people who are willing to stand up and say, this is not right. Because we know that black children and LGBT yeah. people are affected by gun violence at a yeah. much higher level. Yeah. A recent CBS News poll showed 61% of parents say their children are worried about gun violence. My eight-year-old woke up the other night and she said, Mom, I had this dream and there were guns. You have mental health issues everywhere, yeah. but when you pair those with absolute chaos in terms of gun legislation, this is what you get. And now we're dealing with children who are being shot, doing day-to-day -day things, and it's just intolerable. With gun gridlock in Washington, states are paving their own way in both directions. This week, Washington state will become the 10th to ban assault weapons, and Florida's governor recently signed a bill allowing permitless concealed carry, the 26th state to do so. And in Tennessee, despite the Nashville school shooting last month, representatives just passed a law protecting gun manufacturers against lawsuits. And there's another deeply troubling element to all of this, and it relates to the shooting of young Ralph Yarl, the grandson of the 84-year-old man charged in that shooting, put it this way. I feel like a lot of people of that generation are caught up in this 24-hour uh, news cycle of fear and paranoia perpetuated by some other news stations. And he was fully into that, sitting and watch uh, Fox News all day, every day, blaring in his living room. And I think that stuff really kind of reinforces this negative view of, of minority groups and leads people to be a little, it doesn't necessarily lead people to be racist, but it reinforces and galvanizes racist people and their beliefs. It's a concerning and terrifying worldview that is unfortunately not unique. Frank, I want to go back to what you were saying before, because we have all covered these mass shootings. We've seen the shooters, manifestos, focusing on certain victims. But I want you to go back to what the grandson uh, of the alleged shooter said about the grandfather's exposure day in and day out to certain messages and what it was doing to him. Because he's not the only one sitting in a lazy boy watching TV all day. Yeah, this is where I'm a strong advocate of financial pain um, for those who spew out propaganda. We just saw Fox News you know, pay, you know, just under a billion dollars uh, because of what they've been doing. And the question is whether enough that, that's enough pain or not to make a difference. So when I say bring pain, hit them in the pocketbook where it hurts, I'm talking about lawsuits. I'm talking about lawsuits against the firearms industry. I'm talking about lawsuits because, by the way, they market this. They love this. And your, your guest can tell us all about that. He's written a book about it. So let's also not forget the, the news networks, the social media platforms that spew this out all day and night. They need to pay a price as well. So it's painful for them. And being that it was uh, Earth Day and everything, um, my God in heaven, the amount of media craziness going on is it's pretty fucking bad. It, it's it's really, really bad. 
I'm saving a bookmark for later. Um, oh, what the fuck was the name of this title? I don't want to have to make you guys wait while I go through the bookmark gants. It's green. Uh, opinion. Fix your diet. Save the planet. New York Times. This is the USA Today Earth Day picture, of course. Um, in their article, in Earth, for Earth Day 2023, USA Today invites you to envision the best instead of imagining the worst. That is what life will look like at 2050, and the U.S. embraces green living. Most coastal cities are gone due to rising seas. Multiple plant and animal species are on the brink. Hotter, drier, and more erratic weather has hurt farmers. Migration is ongoing social calamity. This is the bright side of achieving zero emission. It wasn't possible to keep global temperatures lower, slower sea level rise. How do Americans live? Cities are more complex packed and walkable with easy access to green areas and transit. Homes are cheaper to heat and cool. Meat is less common in our diets. Cars don't fly, but they're all electric. High-speed rail everywhere. What can you recycle? Find your recycling mistakes in this quiz. Boston Globe. Surprise, give us $1 and we will give 5 to Greenies. They were all in. It was 100% all the fuck in. Then we had Twitter craziness. This is literally a headline from CNN. Twitter users awoke Friday morning to even more chaos on the platform than they had become accustomed to in recent months because CNN lost their blue check. So somehow in their brain, people wouldn't know they were CNN. And of course, the entire world went... Yeah, we know you're CNN. You're crazy. You're, you're fucking crazy. They have not broke 500,000 viewers on anything. Anything. And then you go to WAPO. All right. WAPO blew up my inbox. And I'm just going to read the headlines. In a thriving Michigan county, a community goes to war with itself over trans issues. Twitter users block the blue as verified accounts take on new meaning. For those who approach strangers for work, recent shootings rise alarm. Opinion, the Fox News settlement could affect host. Healthcare workers who survived COVID worry about staffing burnout. New York Times explains Biden's decision to keep the news media at arm's length and then some, and it's a good thing. Uh, Brian Seltzer will cover next show because I'm going long today. And many Hassan I will. But CNN thinks they're going to fix their downward slope by having Gail King and Charles Barkley host a show. That's real. No, seriously. That's, that's real. They, they really think that's going to save their network, even though we all know it's not gonna not gotta. So instead of trying to do my tape thing again, um, we'll go into trans and I'm just going to play the video I made and I'm going to do some more research on this because it, it cut off again when I tried to do something. It just doesn't like it. So instead of my usual, I decided to do a positive trans bumper. 
Plaza Hotel, which is huge and wonderful and trace elegant, especially at Christmas time. Hey, Blue, look at all these families. Hi, families. It's time for a pride parade. Families marching one by one. Hurrah, hurrah. If we don't find our voices and start speaking up against this nonsense, we can kiss every woman's face goodbye. We can kiss women's rights goodbye. We can kiss sororities goodbye. We can take off our tops and our underwear and do our yoga in front of perverted men who just want to get off watching us till the cows come home, stick your daughter in the sorority, let them at her. Find your voices, ladies, and the men who support us. Otherwise, this is our future. I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to deal with this shit at, at Tridelt, at Kappa Kappa Gamma, in the women's locker room. You can be supportive of trans people and what they're going through without surrendering to this madness. ESPN star lineup um, breaking from the network to call for fairness in women's sports. Two of its major players are arguing that transgender athletes should not be competing in women's sports after the White House expanded Title IX protections to include gender identity. Charlie Arnott left ESPN, is now the newest member of the OutKick team, and she's with us live in New York. And welcome to our team here. Yeah, great Charlie. to have Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Good morning this is a to pleasure. you. All right, so let's get into it, okay? So, Samantha Ponder and Sage yes. Steele kind of broke with the network. Here we go. The tweets from Ponder and Steele. Uh, Ponder says it's a shame that we're needing to fight for the integrity of Title IX in 2023. Imagine how long that's been in law, right? Also, Steele says, I keep thinking I'm going to wake up and be relieved that this was all just a ridiculous, comical, nonsensical dream. I, what, what happens to them? Well, the that's the question, uh, because ESPN has been very adamant about keeping politics out of their programming, uh, yet you just saw late last month, they did a whole tribute during Women's Month for Leah Thomas, so therefore, right. doesn't exactly seem like they are keeping politics completely out of the mix, but uh, I have to commend these two women for standing up uh, for these women who, unfortunately, are losing so much of the success that they've worked so hard for. I mean, here you have a man who enters the women's division, and let's be quite honest uh, about Leah Thomas. As a man, didn't really do much, didn't move the needle, run-of-the-mill swimmer, enters the women's division, starts breaking records, completely obliterating any type of success that these women could ever hope to reach. Uh, so as far as ESPN, I don't really know what their plan is as far as whether they talk to these women or address it on air. Um, I would hope that this would be something that they would address, but up to this point, they've remained completely mum on the topic. So I'm, I'm not sure exactly what happens, but I know Sage has been a huge advocate uh, for women I and their rights and very outspoken. more and more people speak up with a similar voice. Go ahead. So I Number 1st, 2022, I was severely injured in a high school volleyball game by a transgender athlete on the opposing team. I suffered from a concussion and neck injury that to this day I'm still recovering from. Other injuries I still suffer from today include impaired vision, partial paralysis on my right side, constant headaches, as well as anxiety and depression. I was unable to play the rest of my last volleyball season, and although I'm currently playing softball, I'm not able to perform as well as I know I have in the past because of the injury. My ability to learn, retain, comprehend has also been impaired, and I require accommodations at school for testing because of this. 
I could go on and on about how this incident has affected my life, but I'm not here for that, because I'm not here for me. Because for me, I know that my time playing is coming to an end. I'm here for every biological female athlete behind me. My little sister, my cousins, my teammates. Allowing biological males to compete against biological females is dangerous. I may be the first to come before you with an injury, but if this doesn't pass, I won't be the last. Now let's start this segment with possibly the cringiest comedy ever broadcast, and it's from Saturday Night Live, who are trumpeting their first non-binary cast member. Sadly, she's not very funny. I've been hung up on my genitals for far too long, and I'm starting to feel like a frickin' Republican lawmaker. Hello! That's an awesome transition. So, as of this week, <laughs> there are now over 14 states that have passed bills restricting health care for trans kids. Listen to that, Michael. Yeah. Restricting health care for kids. For some reason, there's something about the word trans that makes people forget the word kids. If you don't care about trans kids' lives, it means you don't care about frickin' kids' lives. That sad gaslighting is considered comedy in 2023. Let's see a bit more of this groundbreaking segment. You know, at one point, I heard a crew guy say, is she gonna die up there? <laughs> and then another guy was like, you mean, are they going to die up there? <laughs> which feels a lot like how trans people are being treated right now. But don't worry, we have a code word for emergencies, and it was trans rights. Oh my gosh! Good golly! Uh, that was the code for confetti! My bad, bud. That was so loud. Well, yeah, people need to wake up. We are making trans kids grow up too fast. We should be keeping them safe, and we need to lift them up. Well, not, not me, them. I mean the kids. Shay, <laughs> they got my pronouns right. Let's go. I am so embarrassed for everyone associated with that cringeworthy train wreck. That show, Saturday Night Live, has a team of writers, producers, and this is the best they can do. My next guests are sounding the alarm and say they're taking steps to protect women's rights. Joining me now, Carrie Lucas, president of the Independent Women's Forum, and Riley Gaines, former University of Kentucky swimmer who competed against transgender athlete Leah Thomas. Thank you both for being here. Carrie, are these shifting definitions facilitating discrimination against biological women? Absolutely. Um, you know, it really is important when you're talking about the importance of language, particularly when it comes to matters of law. Um, you know, the word woman is used more than 200 times in the Violence Against Women Act alone. It really matters if we know what these words are. And the you know, women have had to fight very hard to have equal opportunity, not just in sports, um, but equal protection when it comes to, to the workplaces, to a lot of places. And um, and it's really a problem if we're suddenly eroding this, this just this word woman and also this common understanding of the of what it means to be equal and have equal opportunity. Hmm. Carrie, a trans activist, Javon Ojeda, responded to your efforts, telling Politico this trend of trying to define what gender and sex is is not a new one. 
What's new now is that they're pushing or trying to push it in a legal sense. These women's rights bills are not, not about women's rights. People define women in different ways. Carrie, your response, and what are you trying to do in these state legislatures? Yeah, you know, we're just trying to, to make sure that we have a common language to talk about. So this, we're promoting something called the Women's Bill of Rights, and all this would do is make sure that we know um, what the word woman is to actually define it and define it as based in biology, so that we know um, what the word female is, male, men, women, um, and so that we know that all of the laws that are on the books that we're, that we're having a common language. And if somebody wants to, if, if there's um, policymakers out there who want to include um, you know, male-bodied um, people who identify as trans or identify as women, they can do that, but they have to do it with different language. We can't just suddenly redefine the word woman to be essentially meaningless, which is what it is when you say, hey, who cares? It's whatever you think it is. And anybody who wants to use the word woman, that becomes a woman. Um, that isn't fair to women. Um, yeah. It's not fair to women who want to have, have safe spots, places and equal opportunity. Riley, you were an NCAA competitive swimmer. Do women have equal access to sports when the courts and the government are forcing them to compete with biological men as you did? Absolutely not. This is taking us back to the 1970s to before Title IX. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's what I think is the left is, is not understanding. Uh, they think this is progressive. They think we're moving in the forward direction. But this is taking us back half a half a century. Um, it's regressive. It's not moving anything forward. It's taking us backwards. Riley, you tied Leah Thomas for first place in the NCAA Division I championship. Here's how Leah reacted. How does it make you feel when you think about the fact that you're the first transgender person to ever win an NCAA Division I championship? I'm, I'm very humbled and, and honored to to hold that title um, and I can only hope that I'm able to give other trans people the inspiration and motivation I was given. Riley, your thoughts when you hear that, I mean, you essentially matched a biological man with greater lung capacity and upper body strength and Leah wants to encourage more uh, transgender people to jump in the pool. To me, hearing that, all I hear is selfishness. Um, I hear lack of self-awareness, and I hear a utter disregard and disrespect towards women, uh, women who have dedicated their entire lives to their sport, not just one year after the year before, ranking in the 500s and 600s as a biological male. Um, and that's what this was. Uh, if you're looking at this just off sheer statistics, nothing opinionated about this. Leah Thomas, the year before, when competing as Will Thomas, was ranked in the 500s at best. The yes, I have a new background now. It's a lot of Dylan. A lot of Dylan. I, I want to make sure we just get all the Dylan that he needs. So Anheuser-Busch deep six this stupid bitch. So good for her. I guess the Bud beer will go back to being fratty. Because that's a bad thing somehow. A lot of this stuff. Toddlers can't get gender affirming care despite claims they get hormones North Brooksville select board rescinds permit for drag show with chair calling it inappropriate Florida gay pride cancels after anti-drag show law passes and they're all upset I must have seen 
10 articles, or if it was a dozen, about how Anheuser-Busch has faced threats. AP has been shoving this. Frantic rush. We're going to cover this in our This is America because I, I have some things to talk about on that. But I'll just finish the rest of the segment because I got so many more. They just kept coming. NPR, Minnesota to join at least four other states in protecting transgender care this year. Missouri School District putting they, them pronouns in math class to help kids. Mathematical identities. Trans woman starring an award-winning documentary, Fairly Shot in Atlanta. Implication is she was shot because she was tranny. Come to find out it was a bad drug deal. They'll never say that publicly, though. Missouri trans snitch form down after people spammed it with B-movie script. Pride Cup warns decision to ban transgender basketball player Lexi Rogers sends concerning message. Oh, what's concerning? That chicks won't get beat up? Lives a TikTok, a family-friendly pride event this weekend in Florida featured a dildo ring toss game. How in the fuck is that family friendly? Anybody? Anybody? The UN words can be weapons. Hate speech online can lead to cruelty and violence in real life. Get tips on how you say no to hate. Hate speech occurs in all societies, whether offline or online. It can sometimes be hard to assess when a comment is meant as hate speech, especially when expressed in a virtual world. It can also feel overwhelming to try to deal with obvious hateful content. However, there are many ways you can take a stand, even if you're not personally the victim of hate speech, and you can make a difference. The following tips can be helpful. Hate speech. It's a gun and a bullhorn. I... I fucking shit you not I fucking shit you not end up in a body bag glad where we are LGBT characters on primetime scripted cable news released in March 22 download the report this year glad counted 659 series regulars is set up here on a scripted primetime course of those 70 are LGBTQ this is a decrease of 22 characters I saw this I just wanted to talk about it NPR and AP torture language to avoid offending transgender activists. Trans woman in Wisconsin went and took a shower with 14-year-olds. Girls are caught off guard and shocked, closed their eyes, and tried to hurry up and leave the showers. That's a dude. More sad fucking news that Gen Z identifies bisexual in unprecedented numbers. The count is 19.7%. Total LGBT by generation, 19 boys 7 for Gen Z because they've had this shit shoved down their neck like fucking crazy.
So, I ran into a Joy Reid segment. She's destroying moms for liberty. They're a group that go to the school boards and fight for kids. So I'm going to play that soundbite, and then I'm going to play two soundbites with them in front of Congress. And I once again want you to go back to that Tucker clip that I paid, played. This is a good and evil now. It's no longer political. It's just good and evil. Let me ask you though, some very specific things. On po- just when you poll some of the things that are taking place as the Republican Party focuses on culture wars, the majority of people oppose the idea of banning certain books in classrooms. This is a 76% position. Uh, they say abortion should be legal, 64%. Transgender people should be protected from discrimination. Two-thirds of people say that. Gun law should be more strict. Almost two-thirds, 58%. You can go on and on, uh, you know, opposing attacks on trans youth, et cetera. And yet what you're seeing among the people who are ascendant in the party, like DeSantis, is a tax on schools, is a tax on teachers, is banning drag shows. What is a governor doing, yeah. you know, right. taking and, the uh, a private business's liquor license because they had RuPaul's Drag Race do a tour there? Like, it seems like government is getting bigger. Attacks on abortion are getting, they're not like we want to leave it to the states. It's yeah. like we're going to ban this nationwide. Yeah, I, I think you're talking about the, the uh, a smaller lane in the Republican. Is it small, though? They, I they're do. And, we have, <laughs> and here's the thing. We have to remember that there's a difference between tolerance of those who are different and LGBTQ community members uh, and what some in some schools have been happening where people believe that they've taken the rights of parents away to make those kinds of decisions for this. their oh, kids. Good, and yeah, and yeah. I think that's a yeah. big difference. I and I think we're, we're going to have to work through I that. I love difference. that you said that, because here's my question. If I am an African-American parent and I had uh, black kids in Florida schools and I say I want my kids to read The Bluest Eye, why does an organization like Moms for Liberty have the right to say, no, that book gets banned? Or if I'm a parent of an but, LGBTQ kid, But as a parent, kid, you would have the right to have that book in your house? But that's not what's happening. What you're seeing is groups <clears throat> like Moms for Liberty saying, no kid can have this book, ban it. They're not saying that Banner my from the school rights, library is what they're saying, they're right? Saying they're, they're saying that they want, they want to be able to control How the access that of that material. Well, why should they control it and not me? I have kids there But too. you can get that book at home. If you want to have that book at home, they you can get, get to get decide what's in school. That means only some parents have but, rights. But, I mean, you could make this, you could take this argument to the extreme and say, well, then everything should be available. Let them get on pornography sites on when uh, they're, they're learning. They're, 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 nobody's but I'm just saying, what you have to say is there is a line for this. But it can't be one group that decides, right? You agree with that, that it can't well, be one I, ideological group. I think group the parents in a community need to make these decisions. That's not who's deciding. It's Moms for Liberty. Well, uh, you know, listen, they, they, they have the influence in a school, and they should have the ability to go in and but say parents like me these things. Do, right? Yeah, you can have that debate. Yeah. But my argument is your beliefs and my and my, a parent belief in the school who happens right. to be different, yeah. you can come to a place where you don't have to have either yeah. one of those exposed to the kids. You can do it at home. Let and me, guess what? The best education you can get happens at home. Parents, parents don't have time. That, 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 we can have that. I want to have you back to talk. So I'm Vicki Flannery. I'm the chapter chair of Montgomery County Moms for Liberty. I'm also a North Wales resident. Over a year ago, I came to you all with a discovery a parent made in their child's school here in this district, Oak Park Elementary. This book titled All Boys Aren't Blue, an extremely graphic tale of incest and rape between a boy and his much older relative. He called the principal of the school and he had the book swiftly removed from shelves. An action confirmed by, at the time, Assistant Superintendent Todd Bauer. 
I appreciated this action and I still chapter by a member of this board. Christian Fusco wrote an absolutely defamatory article in order to paint Moms for Liberty in a bad light. I'm not sure yet if it's for votes, accolades, virtue signaling, or all of the above. But what I do know, Mr. Fusco, is that you are completely wrong. Moms for Liberty supports all students, including LGBTQ+, in their right to a free and fair education. We have no intent to, quote, disenfranchise any students. What we do not support is the exploitation of students in any group for a political purpose, like you have. We do not support calls for violence by anyone in the community or outside of it, like you suggested in your article. We cannot and will not justify pornography being placed on shelves in school under any circumstances, unlike you do in your article. We do not support a call for the banning of any books. We would, however, like to see a policy change that allows us, the parents, to see, know, and decide which books should be allowed within our children's schools and remove anything inappropriate as defined by Pennsylvania law. We need to focus less on hypersexualizing our, our students, including the LGBTQ+, in schools and focus more on raising our test scores and school ranking, which has been on a double digit decline since the nine of you took office. Moms for Liberty wants to positively and respectfully engage with you, the administration, and all of the wonderful educators within this district for the betterment of all of our students. Again, we support all parents and their rights in ensuring that their child Good afternoon, distinguished members of the Constitution and Limited Government Subcommittee. My name is Tiffany Justice, co-founder of Moms for Liberty. Founded in 2021, Moms for Liberty has 275 chapters in 44 states and is growing every month. I want to begin by thanking you for taking up this important topic. Free speech has been chilled for too long by our own government. I applaud you for bringing attention to the intimidation and harassment of law-abiding citizens. Parents have the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their children. That includes their education, medical care, morality, and religion. I want to be clear, these are inherent natural rights. Parental rights do not stop at the classroom door. We do not co-parent with the government. In March 2020, public schools across the country were closed without parental input. Tina Deskovich and I, co-founders of Moms for Liberty, were serving on school boards in Florida. School districts shifted to virtual learning, but accountability for teaching and learning was lacking. Despite documented low student engagement, graduation rates remained steady, and federally mandated services were not being provided despite continued funding. Parents watched in horror as teachers' unions fought to keep schools closed. We watched as our children struggled with depression and anxiety, their development regressing at every turn. Nationally, parents were asking when and how had we become a nation that was more concerned with protecting adults than protecting children. Parents desperately wanted to help their children and they turned to their school boards to try to understand why it was okay for people to gather and riot in the streets and not for children to gather and learn in classrooms. In the US, the right to petition the government to correct a wrong or achieve a goal is fundamental to the workings of our constitutional republic. Parents who took up this right were silenced. Then, the premier law enforcement agency of the United States of America, the FBI, was used as a weapon by the DOJ against parents who dared to voice their concerns at the most local level, their school board. 
Thanks to the whistleblower, we now have evidence that Attorney General Garland instructed the FBI to take action against parents, and that a threat tag was created for parents who spoke up in public meetings. How dare they? One of our moms was one of those parents targeted. One minute, you're making peanut butter and jelly, and the next minute, the FBI is calling you. You answer the phone, and they want to talk to you about your comments at a school board meeting last week. Do you have any guns in your home? Do you have a history of mental health illness? Oh, and by the way, don't tell anyone we called. When this mother called me, I was numb. I was shocked. I did not know what to say. Can the FBI ask you to be confidential about their inquiry to you? I immediately worked to make the Judiciary Committee members aware of this situation. Did the actions of the Biden administration chill the free speech of parents? Yes. There is no doubt. It sent shockwaves across this country that we still feel today. And what did this mom do wrong? She disagreed with her school board. That is not illegal in this country. We, are we not allowed to have differing views? 115,000 members strong, we attended school board meetings, often facing unjust treatment. Parents were expelled, their mics were cut off, and many were prevented from speaking. We are moms, dads, uncles, aunts, grandparents, and concerned citizens. We are not domestic terrorists, and we will not be silenced to protect a failing system. The DOJ betrayed the trust of the American people. There must be accountability. While the FBI made phone calls to parents who spoke out at meetings and wrote me memos calling concerned parents domestic terrorists, I submit to you what the federal government was not doing was paying attention to educating our children. America's public education system is failing. Perhaps the silencing of parents was meant to hide these facts. But we see our eyes are open to a distressing truth that our children are being tr taught to distrust the sanctity of their own homes and to view the nation as broken and unjust. We witness schools and states fueling this fire, encouraging such beliefs to take hold. I ask you to hold accountable those that violated their oath to the Constitution, who trampled on our... Yeah, they don't seem too extreme to me. I think they're just moms. So before we start our This Is America and close this pig out, L.A. Councilwoman blamed Toyota for the catalytic converter theft Opposes motion targeting thieves. That's where we're at on our crime. Yet things like this keep happening in blue cities. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. What I'm this is America. We've heard on the news that they have been charged with misdemeanors, and um, it's just really disheartening. A deadly trend with innocent victims. Carjackings are turning into car crashes. One of the most recent incidents left a six-month-old baby dead. Nate Rogers is live with more. Nate. Yeah, that's right. I'm Corey and Don. The victims in this crash, in fact, were a mother and her three children. One of the children um, was um, one of the one of the children was um, an infant, less than six months old. We're told who died as a result. We spoke to an aunt today who described the family's pain as unbearable. 
Six months old and now a cherished memory. But he was like six months going on 26. He was just like the sweetest little boy. We would always dance. Um, he loved to dance. Sunday around 5 p.m., the family inside the silver pickup truck, then struck by the stolen Hyundai Sonata, according to police. The truck then head on into this large tree at Costner in Washington. Truly the biggest nightmare. The car seat still visible in the wreckage. Neighbors rushing to the scene to render aid. Christian Uvidia, his mother, and two older sisters all rushed to the hospital in serious to critical condition. I think a lot of bit too they've kind of blocked out just from the trauma the six-month-old fought to stay alive for three days he suffered from uh, a fractured skull which um, caused his brain to swell and bleed eventually um, causing him to go into a coma and then later passing away the offending vehicle crashed into a light pole police later arresting a 14 and 17 year old both charged with misdemeanors criminal trespass to a vehicle the family now in deep pain working to make funeral arrangements for a kid whose smile and infectious laugh will forever be missed your however minutes long joyride ruined our life completely. Now, Kristen's mother had suffered a fractured pelvis and internal bleeding. She was released from the hospital today. One of his sisters, um, 15 years old, suffered a concussion and also some bleeding on her brain. Um, another sister, seven years old, suffered some bruises. As a result, one of the sisters still remains in the hospital. Um, we've yet to learn if charges will be upgraded in this case. Also, if the suspects are still in police custody. Reporting live downtown, I'm Nate Rogers, Fox 32, Chicago. You know, we, the city is being destroyed by the migrant crisis, and none of my folks came to Washington, D.C. to fight for the resources that's going to undermine every agency in our city. We don't So you got kids carjacking and hurting people. You got a mayor who is saying it's a national disaster because he gets 30,000 illegals. El Paso gets that every fucking day almost. And Amazon rioting. But their leaders, Catholic converters, then you have fucking this fucking Wahoo, um, Hokel, saying. We're going to get rid of cigarettes. Cigarettes. It's back to that. We're going to tell you how to live your fucking life. Portland squatters took over an abandoned bar and went up in flames and burned to the ground. But all you can, you can't shake your dick without fighting stuff like this. These two people who had zip ties on them are getting hard time for January 6th. Tennessee man and his mother were convicted Tuesday of charges that they stormed the Capitol where they brought plastic zip, 
zip-tie handcuffs at Senate Gallery as a mob attacked the building. U.S. Judge Royce Lamberth convicted Eric Munchell and his mother Lisa Anhart on all 10 counts of the indictment, including charges they conspired to obstruct Congress from certifying President Joe Biden's 2020 electoral victory on January 6th. The judge is scheduled to sentence both September 8th. Lamberth decided the case without a jury after a stipulated bench trial, an unusual legal proceeding which the defendants do not admit guilt to charges but agree with prosecutors that certain facts are true. At least three dozen capital riot defendants have resolved their cases that way, which allows defendants to preserve their right to appeal rather than opting for traditional trial to plead guilty. So this judge, of course, took him down. Then you have 60 Minutes. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm a little surprised they ran with this. Um, where is the damn article? There it is. I shut it. Tomorrow, 60 Minutes will air an interview with Ray Epps, that's today, who was at the Trump rally and elsewhere, apparently in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. In the promo, 60 Minutes has Epps denied a convoluted conspiracy theory that he was one of the people who helped turn the protest into a riot. In conversation, in conservative media, Ray Epps is a notorious villain responsible for turning the protests on January 6th into riot. His convoluted conspiracy theory denies he now is in hiding facing death threats. This Sunday, Epps sat down with 60 Minutes. Did you catch something right at the start of that video? A lot of people did. It is a convoluted conspiracy theory. Literally the first thing in the video, we're going into the Capitol. We are going to the Capitol. Who is Ray Epps? A former member of the Oath Keepers who served in the Marine Corps and was an ardent Trump supporter, or at least he was, until conservative media post-January 6 began insinuating that he was a government plant for the deep state. What exactly was the role of Ray Epps in the chaos of January 6th? No matter how many times they push this conspiracy theory, this lie, it'll never become truth. It is all in the prep for the 2024 run-up. Because what they're doing right now is they're running a shitload of this. The threat of civil breakdown is real. National security officials are still not prepared for a far-right revolt. The Manhattan District Attorney indictment of former President Donald Trump 34 felonies so far has not resulted in death and destruction that the former president warned. The protest near the courthouse, blah, blah, blah. We and others have written of the prospect of a new civil war in the United States, which seemed a real, it's still remote, possible immediately after January 6th. Now it's starting to look less plausible, given the strength shown by the political center in the 2022 midterms of President Joe Biden's pro- largely effective tenure in the White House. effective tenure. Yet full-scale civil war is not the only danger. Far-right Americans are highly unlikely to coalesce into a cohesive force that could wage war, but an army is not required to wreak sustain havoc and destabilize the country. In a deeply polarized environment, smaller pockets of armed unrest could easily ignite and spread discord. The hyperbolic reactions of far-right Republican political figures and media commentators to the Trump indictment signal that they certainly do not believe the mega fever among their constituent and consumers has broken. The Guardian, 
the same time Right-wing extremists defeated by Democrats in U.S. school board elections. Right-wing extremists. Remember, go back to Tucker. That's why I played it. Good and evil. So parents going to a school board to stop you from sexualizing their children and telling them America is a garbage shithole Those are extremists. Scores of right-wing U.S. extremists were defeated in a school board election in April and a victory for the left and that Democrats' hope could be effective for running against Republicans in the year ahead. In Illinois, Democrats said more than 70% of school board candidates it endorsed won their races, often defeating the kind of anti-LGBTQ plus culture warrior candidates who have taken control of school boards across the country. In another article about how hateful Republicans took over school boards. Republican-backed candidates in Wisconsin also fared poorly. Moms for Liberty, a right-wing group linked to wealthy Republican donors, which has been behind book-banning campaigns in the U.S., all other articles they did, said only eight of its endorsed candidates won the election to school boards. The results of an education and free speech organizations have warned of a new surge in book bans in public schools in America. Over the past two years, conservatives in U.S. states have removed hundreds of books that basically are LGBTQ stuff. Fortunately, the voters saw through the hidden extremists who are running for school board, said Pritzker. I'm glad these folks were shown up and frankly tossed out. The Democratic Party of Illinois spent 300000 in races in Illinois. Teachers using, including the Illinois Education Association, endorsed the candidate in school boards, blah, 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 blah. So let's get to the bottom. Bloop, 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 bloop. With other states holding a school board election later this year and critical presidential election in 2024, the successes offered some hope for Democrats. At the local level, at least, Griffin said the results showed the value of having relationships within community. When you have teachers who are part of the community who have relationships with parents, with other community members who engage in community activities and support the community, there's a level of trust that is built that has happened across our state, she said. So go back to your heading. Right-wing extremists defeated by school boards. Republican-backed culture warrior candidates fare poorly in Illinois and Wisconsin. Offering hope to the left. Those are lefty states. Why would they write the article? Well, to fear-monger people into believing... That if you don't get out and vote, extremists will take over this country. And with 2024 around the corner, they have to start painting the picture that if you do not come out and vote for Joe Biden, who's not an extremist, Democracy itself will be under threat. Illegal aliens who are LGBTQ may not be detained under Democrat new bill. Now, put together 
what I covered today. Credit scores by race. Houses by race. A fringe science that was on campuses when we started this podcast about shade equity and environmental racism being codified in an executive order because they know they cannot pass a law on that. That shit is fringe. It's way out there fringe. A border crisis that's now let 5.5 million people in the country illegally You are now unable to detain gay migrants. So who's the extremist? I don't care. You can write an article all day long saying that, oh my God in heaven, if the right wins, we're fucked. Democracy itself is fucked. You can say those things. But us in the middle are going, Trump didn't hand money out and benefits and basically do the whole government by if you were mega. I mean, can you imagine? Because uh, it's the same thing. It's a, the identically same thing. A Republican administration coming in, and 40% of all government funds have to go to Christians. Just Christians. Housing must be single family dwelling. No apartment complex. We are going to get rid of all solar panels and wind turbines because it makes our grid unstable in extreme weather. And to date, it's killed 3,000 dolphins and 1,000 whales. It would never happen. And I once again beckon back. I'm not a Trumper. I hate Trump. I think he's a fucking, fucking piece of shit. We didn't have this crazy shit under Trump. We didn't have crazy rules. Every fucking thing that he did that they blocked, they did themselves when they took over. From stay in Mexico, banning certain countries from coming in the country. Jesus Christ. You've done the same things. You had sanctuary cities during him. Now you scoff when states do six-week or 15-week or 11-week abortion bans or AR sanctuaries. Who are those people to run their own governments? 
You're actually saying these things, but you did it all. And you've turned every lever in our federal government into woke gibberish. I mean, do you really think Biden got skin cancer off oil fog? Do you think he even knows what the concept climate justice is? Because you listen to the videos. It's gibberish, man. You're just making it up. It was a way to connect racism to every facet of their agenda because it gets people to shut the fuck up. You could say you're a climate denialist like Chuck Dodd did. Everybody just laughed at him because actually saying the science is settled is anti-science. Science is never settled. Science is the craft of literally disproving everything. That's what science is. And having your work handed to other scientists to shit on it. Just shit on it. That's that's the sole purpose. Here's my report. Take a gigantic dump and tell me I'm a dumbass. Peer review. You guys are so extreme. It is so far left. And with every revelation that comes out that is worse literally, because people said it this week, then Watergate. I mean, for fuck's sake, some people that you knew stole stuff, got a president impeached. Well, was going to get him impeached, but he resigned. For the love of God and everything holy, this man is linked to China. His secretary of state election interfered And we now know across the board, the 80 voting laws were illegal. Facebook's $500 million was illegal. Facebook running polling station was illegal. There was so many illegality. People have gone to jail. Unreported in our media off that election, which was the most secure ever. The very people who said voting machines, electronic type, are insecure and could be hacked and had herrings are cheering that a station that questioned a type with their lawyers and a company that appears to favor Democrats and is very progressive in a court case that was never levied against the people that actually started it, the left. So you can write your articles. You can talk about far-right boogaloo, googaloo, chugaloo, kuanon. You can do all these things, and most of us are just staring, going, it was one day. The people who ossicated and covered up protesters breaching the White House hurting five or 50 secret service agencies and burned a church, covered it by arguing they used CS on them, which they didn't, and Trump did a stupid Bible photo op. 
The people that got the editor fired for printing a Tom Cotton op-ed about using the National Guard. All those people then ringed the Capitol like a green zone for 90 fucking days, giving National Guardists COVID, sleeping in parking garages because of one riot that went wrong. One. And since then, Portland, looting in every major city, they breached the New York City hearing. They breached capitals. They breached the Senate. None of that's even covered, and it's not even called a breach or an insurrection or anything. And we're still putting old people in jail for walking in the Capitol with zip ties. I just, I'm, I'm astounded they're trying to play the same thing. You drug on J6 hearing to the 2022 to get it to work for you, and it did. But you're dragging it, and you are so fucking extreme. You sacrifice babies, and you want to gender null generations of kids to win elections. So I'm not grasping the right is extreme. I'm not even grasping they're, they're violent. You couldn't make white supremacy as the greatest threat in America without taking everybody, the thousand people arrested on J6 and scattering them across the country to say you had extremists everywhere. That's a FBI leaker. That's not the Daily Wire. That's not Tucker Carlson. That. That's an FBI leaker. That's what you did to fulfill the lie that there's extremism everywhere and the right is starting a civil war because they're voting out school boards who have books showing kids how to do blowjobs in grade school. I mean, it's shocking when you articulate. That's how extreme they are now. That's how immoral the left and the media is. It's no longer right and left. It's no longer rich and poor. It is no longer about rural and city folk. It's good and evil. That's why they don't poll it. If they polled what people think of what the left's doing, it's an 18% approval. 70% of the country thinks the border is bad and people shouldn't be able to walk in. Now you add, well, if you're gay, they can just walk in and do whatever they want because they're gay. But you notice they're not people of color because they're the wrong. They're not dark enough. They're considered Anglos. Because that's how they keep quantifying disproportionate amount of black people. 
I mean, the whole transgender thing across the board that I started the show with is is just emblematic of what the left's about. Lying. Making up shit that is not true. They make up. There's a transgenocide and trans people are being persecuted across the country and lynched. And then the stats come out and there's 19 murders in a year. 18 were from domestics. And 80% of all the harassment came from black people. But they cooked the numbers and put Arabs and Latinos in with the whites so that the whites would edge out black people. It's the same with anti-Semitism. It's the same with black-on-white crime. Dwarfs, white-on-black. But majority of crime is inter- one's own race. White people fuck white people up. Black do black. Asian, Asian, Latin, Latin. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. But what's so disgusting with it, it's the DOJ. It's the FBI. It's the Homeland Security. It's DHS. It's HHS. It's everybody. It's General Milley. It's the DOD. More concerned with TDY abortions than the fact that 12 motherfuckers got TBI off the Syria bombs and 114,000 people. More people than live in Fort Campbell, Clarksville area committed suicide in 20 years and it's not on the platform of any political party. It's not even mentioned in the media. It's not covered. It doesn't exist. Transgenocide. Trans rights. Three-year-olds changing their name and getting ready for gender reassignment surgery. That's the priority of the country because it's good and evil. And if I can have an hour show and lay that out to the American people, left, right, middle, it's an 80% issue. 80% of Americans laid out. Tucker Carlson's the wrong person to give the speech with the right words. A normal person lay it out. Democrats would be voted out of office the next day. The next day. But the media covers for all their malfeasance, for all their extremism, for all their fucking dirty deeds. They cover it all. They bury it. And they go with right-wing violence. If 2024 doesn't go its way, right-wing violence. Right-wing militia are going to lynch black people. I mean, for fuck's sake. Last year, they passed an anti-lynching law that's been in the works since 1960. Lynching was already a hate crime. Because there's so many people getting lynched. Everywhere. I mean, it goes back to Matthew Shepard, then I'll shut up. The gay guy, drug by in a car, barbed wire to a fence. A journalist looked into it because he realized it didn't make any sense and it was a bad drug deal and he was killed by fucking cartel. It was all a lie, but that lie got out there. The beating of the gay guy in the army. All a lie, but the lie stands. So I shouldn't be shocked that we're sitting here talking about climate justice 
2023. I shouldn't be shocked. It's who they are. They never tell the truth. It's all about agenda and scaring the living shit out of people so they'll vote for them in the next election because their policies clearly don't get it done. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share with your family and friends. Go to Flyover Politic with a K on SoundCloud. Rumble 482467. Email me at at gmail.com. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yes. We will go with the next show on the 26th of April, year of our Lord, 2023. Until then, thanks for listening and take care.